You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. We have another repeat guest today and member of Team MKWCC, Josefina. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Hey, everyone. Good to be here. Yay. We're so happy to have you. Obviously, you are our resident video guru on all things brand video. And we have such great stories of how you even found your way to MKW Creative Co., which we've talked about before. But I really want to spend today talking about like best practices for brand video, because as we work with more brands, we notice that video and video content creation is a lot more complicated than people think. So that's going to be the goal of today's whole episode. What else did we want to talk about? Well, you know, like I work from home and I'm a mom. So I think that'd be interesting to talk about too. Absolutely. Talk about how we juggle about that. I would also like to give people some tips. Yes. When they record. Absolutely. Especially when they're going to send it to someone else. It's not the same when you do it yourself, but when someone else does it. And whatever else you think it's going to be important in reaching for our audience. Absolutely. Let's start first with an easy one, which is just all the tools that we use for video content creation. So what we do with our team is a little bit different because we're not always the ones capturing the content, but we're editing a lot of the content. Can you describe the difference between like a videographer and a video editor for people that don't know? Ooh, okay, that's a good one. So what I do as a video editor, I take whatever the videographer would do. The videographer is the person that's going to go outside and going to capture all these moments. I love how some people have their videographer like following them, for example. So I will take that and I would make magic out of it Mm -hmm. and create something. And what I do is like I pick the best parts. I edit any audio that's wrong or some words like filler words that I want to remove. And then the video like turns out amazing after we edit it with a million tools. (laughs) A million tools. Let's talk about what all of those favorite tools are because there's a bunch. And you starting to work with me, that your tools have changed. What were you using before you came on the team and what do you use now? Yeah. So before coming to the team, I was married to Adobe. So I would use anything Adobe and for video editing, I was using Premiere Pro which at the time wasn't working properly. It was super slow and like the tools were, because we live in Adobe, we know how everything works, but still it was very hard and not very user-friendly. So when I started to get to know you, I started to learn like, okay, there's another word outside Adobe, like Canva, CapCut, your phone. Mm -hmm. I also learned that you do not need the latest camera or a video camera, like you can do everything on your phone, which is amazing. So right now, if I have to use Premiere Pro, it's because I have to do something very specific, something that the other tools won't do, which right now it's very unlikely. I use Canva, CapCut. We edit inside of TikTok. Now like Instagram is keeping up with TikTok. So they have a lot more tools, but still not a lot. But for CapCut, I use the app version, the desktop version, and the browser version. And it's crazy how for one video, I jump from one app to another one and like 
send it to my phone, send it back to the computer, send it back to my phone, cut it, crop it here, up, down. Sometimes I'm like, I use three different tools for just one 30 second clip, but I think that's what makes it perfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's talk about that workflow. We're starting to say how you take all the clips and then you're bringing it in and you're kind of culling it down and then moving it from application to application. When we get content from a client, how do you approach what the video content should be? Before seeing what we have, I check what's the content piece. Like, what are we going to work with? Mm -hmm. I love doing examples. I'll just go ahead with an example. We're doing a bees content for Hemsley Ranch, for example, because they have bees now. And they just sent us clip that someone recorded on site and some images. So I check first, like, okay, what's the content about? Like bees and if the video, because like it's something that was filmed on site and very quickly, like sometimes the video is not going to be complete. So I try to think, okay, let's try to find a captivating audio that's going to match with it. Maybe some bees buzzing around, something that's going to make it fun. And lastly, once I get my video, I try to crop it. And sometimes I'm going to mix and match. Maybe I'll just like crop it and put the beginning at the end and the end at the beginning to make it more interesting. Or if it's too short, for example, I'll just go ahead and source some stock video or stock imagery. Mm -hmm. Let's say I find a stock video I like, but I don't like because it looks too stocky. I'll just like try to find a piece of it, crop it, maximize it, you know, like use a macro part of it. So it's not looking so much like stock, but it's going to match your brand. So that's kind of the process when it comes to a video. But I would say there's different processes too, because it's not the same process for a video like this than when we're editing podcast videos. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about podcast videos. Yeah. So those are very fun, actually. One thing they really like is that I have to listen to the whole podcast and you end up learning so much stuff like when you're listening. So I listen to all of it. And while I'm listening, I'm typing what things like caught my attention. And I always try to cut, like write minute 22 till minute 24. And here's a secret. But I mean, it's a tool that's about to die. So it's not going to be much of like help for anyone. But I've been using, it's called Project Blink. It's a better thing that Adobe did. And they asked me if I wanted to try it. I'm like, yeah, I want to try it. They're finishing it June 30th. So what I usually do is I put my two minute of clip for the podcast that I pick, put it on Project Blink, and it's going to grimy all the transcript together with the video and whatever I delete or edit or move around, it's just going to fix the video by itself. Mm -hmm. So I've been really loving that tool and I'm pretty sure they're going to add it to Premiere Pro. I don't think they're going to get rid of it completely. I just need to do my homework and figure out what other tool is going to replace it, which is fine. We'll find it. But I was very comfortable doing that. I love it because I can see how long the clip is for the podcast. I try to stay between 30 and 45 seconds. They need to be short, engaging, fast. And after that, I'm going to go ahead and try to pick some fun gifts, extra audio, like audio that's going to make it fun. And the last thing I do is I add the captions, Mm -hmm. which also they need to be on brand, you know, big in the middle of the screen, etc. Yeah, the podcast clips have been really fun, because I think that it gives us an opportunity to get really long form content from the creator. 
And that's the stuff that I feel like busy entrepreneurs struggle with the most. I just recorded an episode about branding a podcast and why I think more influencers should have podcasts because your audience wants that content from you and they want long form content on the first hand. And then on the other hand, you can take that and create so many new pieces of content from one effort. So an interview like this, for example, we could have me saying this exact clip. We could also take the audio out and put it to different visuals. We could also put a headshot and the sound waves and have just the captions on screen. Like there's so many ways to multiply that content that I think it creates, it's just more source material to play with, right? Like more ingredients in your kitchen. What do you like editing about podcasts? Like what's your favorite part of the podcast content specifically that you like turning into videos? Okay. So whenever I'm doing this, I'm always laughing at myself listening to the audio and trying to find a GIF, a sticker that it matches. Mm -hmm. I have so much fun and I'm just hoping people are laughing at the same stuff that I laugh. So I'm not from the US, but I know about the culture here. So sometimes I think maybe I'm laughing to this because of my culture, but maybe not. That's funny. I know, but I'm just hoping people are laughing at the same stuff that I'm laughing. And I try to keep like, let's say for your podcast, I try to source the same kind of gifts. So like, it's always going to be from the same movie or from the same people, the same actor. Like I have so much fun doing that. But also I think it has a lot of value when I'm listening and I'm learning. And you saying like a lot of creators should do more podcasts. I totally agree. But to that, they need to add this value that you add, which is you're teaching people to do stuff. and let's say imitate like what you do because it's a recipe that works right and why not share it with everyone so I think that's super valuable when we're doing podcasts yeah I think that the podcast just lets people know you on a deeper level right you can have a more in-depth conversation you can learn something I'm a big podcast listener myself so I listen to a podcast literally every day when I'm walking my dog or cleaning my kitchen or cooking dinner and it's such a great way to kind of learn by osmosis of just having that stuff in your head. But then I think when it goes to video, also, like we know that obviously TikTok is mostly video based. We've got Reels, you've got YouTube Shorts, Pinterest video. I mean, there's every single platform wants to see you make short form video content. And this is the best way to get your time back, in my opinion, because you can make so many things from it. And then you're not reliant on sending someone out on assignment to go film something, right? Obviously, all that stuff helps. But Having the people talking, that's like the real good stuff that you can't replicate. Like you can't be in somebody else's brain. So having them talk about their experience or talk about what they know just makes the most sense ever to me. I also think it motivates you to try new things. Absolutely. Let's say like your last podcast, you're talking about how to create a podcast, brand a podcast. And I think that's going to be a big motivator for people to do one. Even though you're teaching them how to do it, like it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same content. They're going to be talking about something completely different, but like they'll learn it from you in the end. Yeah. And I think that there's something about the podcast existing on social media that just feels rich. Like there's more content, there's more to be had, right? It's like getting a preview. It's like seeing a trailer of a movie. You're getting just a small snippet. We're not posting the whole podcast onto social. We put them on YouTube, but we're not posting like the entire episode onto Instagram, for example, but we're just pulling out those like good nuggets, the good little things that you can learn something, but that hopefully would entice you to go find more, right? 
How do you play that up in your editing style? Like what different things, you mentioned GIFs, you mentioned captions, but in your actual editing of the videos, how do you make it so that people continue to pay attention? I think that relates to whatever you went through life. Because what I notice is when I'm listening to the podcast, like things that resonate with me are based on my experience and like on my life experiences. So I have to be very aware of that, that whatever I'm picking is not only related to me, but it needs to relate with other people as well. Mm -hmm. So I try to be very broad about that. And it's crazy. Like, of course, like I tend to go to the things that interest me more. The, The snippets that I pick, they're always related to something that I live that maybe we talked about, maybe I talked with someone. And then I'm like, okay, I don't think that's going to be interesting for everyone. So I just got to move on and pick something else. But yeah, like whenever I'm picking, I'm hoping I'm nailing it and picking something that's going to be an interest for everyone. Everyone's a brain. Like I cannot be on someone else's brain and someone cannot be on my brain. So sometimes I might pick something that only relates to me, but I try not to. Right. Anyway, I think that the whole podcast is very interesting. So usually it's very easy to find things. Even like sometimes I'm, editing podcast and I'm like, oh my God, there's so much good stuff here. We only do like two edits per podcast, for example. Like I'm like, I could pick five. How am I going to do? I could keep going. So it just depends. I think it's very personal, but I need to be open-minded when it comes to that. Yeah. But also I think one of the things you've done so well since we started working together is considering how to add more elements to a video, right? Not just letting it be the video on its own, but switching up the angle or switching the editing style or making a quick cut or adding when people have emphasis on certain words, representing that from like a graphic design standpoint, I think is really what our team does particularly well because you have a graphic design background. So like you understand like fonts and animation and motion graphics. Can you talk a little bit about how that can enhance what you're talking about on video? Yeah. So it's very boring just to watch a video. It's very monotonous. If someone like watches us right now without all the editing that we're going to do after, they're going to be like, okay, this is boring. So we got to make it interesting. So what you said, like sometimes if we're having a conversation, just switch the camera from my camera to your camera or zooming in our faces when we're talking about something or expressions. I think that's very important to consider working on this. Also, something I really like to do is make the captions huge on one word. So now that I said it, I would make the word huge, huge and keep everything constant on the same font size. But yeah, like you said, I think that my graphic design background really helps here. Mm -hmm. Also, when it comes to with positioning, colors, but still, I've learned a lot throughout the process. I was not perfect at the beginning, but working together has been great because like, we learn a lot from each other, mostly me from you, but that's fine. <laughs> no, we're all learning from each other. And I think we've learned also, like, how do we create our own style? How do we create a style that our agency is known for and that people can keep coming back too. And I think it's kind of that blend of like, it is graphic design based, but also very music informed. Like I think about some of the trends we've taken advantage of for our clients where, you know, the mock-up changes to the beat drop, or there's a transition in color or all the collage reels that you've worked on. Why are those just so visually satisfying to look at? 
and they're so fun to do as well. Like they are time consuming because I might not seem like, but I'm a perfectionist when it comes to my work. And I think that's one of the reasons as, I mean, I think most of creatives can relate to this. Like we procrastinate because it's never ready. Mm -hmm. It's never ready. So doing those collages is like, okay, so there's a minimum there's a mini tiny pixel like coming outside of the crop that I hate. So I have to go back and like erase it. But I also think that's part of who we are and what we do. And that's why it's very good. It's not like those not good edits crop. I think it's also about seeing the big picture vision of the brand, right? Like you and I have worked long enough with some of these brands to really understand like who they're trying to target, how they're targeting them, what the visual style should be, what the kind of soundtrack is. Because we talked about for a long time, the difference between like trending content and evergreen content and when and how we should lean into trends. And, and what I kind of advised all of you guys on is imagine you're someone new that's coming to this account and all of the reels were trends and you couldn't really understand what the business was and what they were trying to offer, right? So how much of your time do you spend like looking at trends, considering trends, or are trends kind of an afterthought because you're focused on the actual visual content of the video? I think trends come last in my brain. Like I said, like everything comes from like who you are and what you do. And I don't consume trends as much. So I think that comes like, so that's me. So I'm trying always to focus on what you do, what you don't do, what your business is, like who you are. And whenever I'm like, okay, I'm stuck. And that's when I will go to trends and see what's going on that's fun that we can use. So that's, so I work like the other way. Yeah. The other issue is with trends, we don't always have the flexibility from the client side to be able to do them exactly when they come out, right? So there may be like an audio that's trending or a type of video that's trending. But by the time we're executing it on it, sending it back to the client for approval, then scheduling it in the calendar, that trend is coming gone. So it's almost a worse look if you're doing like posting a trend like a month late, than to just Focus on what you do, stay focused in your lane, maybe participate every once in a while or borrow something from a trend that's cool. Like we've done photo dumps or project summaries and things like that. Those are super useful, but you can't let 100% of your content be trend-based, in my opinion. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And I think it gets boring at a point. Like, let's say all the trends are dancing and like then suddenly you're only dancing 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 dancing. I'm like but I want to see what you do like I want to get to know you a little more Mm -hmm. you know I know you can dance but what else can you do and we want to hear you right we want to hear that first person perspective we want to hear you talk your way through things and for people that are shy about that I think it's just a missed opportunity I keep thinking in my head all the time about how this younger generation like we had to take public speaking class in high school and middle school did you have to take public speaking I had to take it when I was doing my MBA here in the States. I did not have to do that back home. I mean, I'm sure it was part of like the curriculum, but not like a class. But here I had to do it. Oh my goodness. Awful. (laughs) Okay, so let's compare too, because I noticed that with Hemsley's Ventures, the Hemsley Scholars kids were so good on video compared to Savvy Giving by Design, the designers, which are of an older generation, where it was like, pulling teeth, getting them to just get on the video and say who they are and what they're doing. So there's such a generational divide, I think, of people who consume short form video content, then know how to parrot it back 
and say things in full and complete sentences and talk directly and, you know, get out their whole thought in under a minute versus I think sometimes older generations have a hard time doing that. Did you notice that as well? Yeah, you're right. Now that you say there's someone that I work with, she only wants to do like static graphics and stuff. And I'm like, let's put you out on video. Like people want to see you. And she's a little older than me. And she does send me the video. But at the end, she's like, no, 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 no. Let's not post them. Then like, I'm not confident about them. And they're good. But yeah, I think it's a generational thing. And what I think is that we are in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. We got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So we converge perfectly, which is great. Still, I'm still shy though. (laughs) Yeah, but you just posted a video the other day with a voiceover. I think voiceover is a great workaround, right? I love that. But then what the problem, I always am going to find a problem and a solution. So don't worry. But what I think with that is English is my second language. So sometimes I'm not very confident about the accent, but at the end I'm like, whatever. But then your accent is just as much your brand as you are. Yeah, true. Like, even if someone hired you, they'd be talking to you and you'd have your accent anyway. So you might as well put it all out there and be like, this is how I talk. And if anything, you might attract somebody who English is their second language. True. And I see a lot of videos of people like that English is their second language. So, and that's fine. They're fun. I'm trying. And I do really like doing voiceovers. (laughs) I know. I'd like for us to do more voiceovers for clients. Yeah. And I think now with CapCut, there's so many great ways to kind of like mask your voice or put a voice filter on that are so interesting. I think that green screen is a great type of video, but I kind of want to go through and I'm going to rank my favorite types of videos to get from clients, like from favorite to least favorite. And then you tell me if you agree. Okay. So the top of my food chain of my favorite type of content to receive from a client is them talking on a podcast. That's my favorite. Because they could be talking about something and then we can supplement it with the visuals of the thing that they're talking about, right? So if we're interviewing like Ashley for Hemsley Ventures and she's talking about polar bear, we can put images of the polar bear diner with her interview clip. That's my favorite kind. I feel like that's the most informational. It's the most unique. It's the most useful, the most helpful. I think my second favorite type of video is the video that the client captures and then sends to us of like walkthroughs, tours on-site, kind of things like that. But big fat star, asterisk, it depends a lot on the quality of the iPhone video. So it's like, let's pause in our list here. What are some tips that you have for capturing really good, high-quality iPhone video? I think I can only give one and we're done. (laughs) Please clean your camera. Clean the lens. Clean your lens. Clean the lens. Every time. Clean your lens. Like, that's the only... If you do that, everything is going to come out right. Of course, there's a lot of things that we can do, like, you know, hold it with both hands close to your body. Try to be like as still as possible and like move all your body while you're doing it. Do not cover the mic. Do not cover the camera. Here's one that I've been doing a lot. Flip your camera upside down. Oh, yeah. I do a lot of videos of my baby and I edit them. I film them with my camera upside down. Whoa, game changer. Like, try it. That would be like basically, but please clean your lens. (laughs) clean the lens I think also I'm noticing that like still clips are performing much better than like pan clips so like on my trip that I was just on it was so funny so I was telling my friends you know we'd go somewhere and everyone takes the pan from left to right and left everywhere you go new restaurant a hotel everyone's getting clips like this and I was like no no just still just get still clips just find 
something that you would take a picture of, but make it a video and you'll find other ways to use it. Because when you're trying to cut together a montage, for example, of a lot of different clips and they're all moving like this, it's going to be so hard to watch versus just like a still stable clip, like an opening sequence of a movie. You just want like a still shot with the object moving, like somebody going by on a bike or a palm tree moving or this, like finding more, again, like things you would take a picture of, but instead just captured as a video. And those are so satisfying. It's stillness and like calm. And then something happens. I like those too. Right. Because then your focus is the viewer. You're not so focused on the action of the actual camera. You're focused on what's happening inside of the frame, inside of the scene. Like, okay, if this camera is still and there's a bridge and there's a tiny guy on a Vespa driving on the bridge, all of a sudden I'm paying way more attention to that than if the whole scene were moving around. I might have missed it. And also, I think those are very useful for when you're doing like a photo dump, but a video dump. Oh my goodness. Yes. Cute. Yeah. And they're so multi-purpose because you can also use clips like that and just have the whole content of the video be text only. So you could have it be the video and be like, boop, 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 boop. And like all the text bubbles pop on to communicate your message. So I think that those ones go a really long way. And I love having even just like a backlog of content like that. Like we're getting ready for San Diego Open. So I went and pulled all the videos I ever took like from the beach in San Diego and that are just like still shots. And that's why it's important to have evergreen content. Yes. Okay. Explain evergreen content. So content that you like this, this is the perfect example. You film something into 2022 from the tennis tournament, but you can still use it 2023 because there's no signs from last year. There's no sign that says 2022. Mm -hmm. You can use it 2022, 2023, 2024. So that's kind of like evergreen, something that you can use anytime at a point of the year. Like, for example, we have a lot of pictures from the ranch where it's snow. So those like are only going to be evergreen to use them during winter. Like I could not use those now. So, I mean, that's a quarter of evergreen. (laughs) Yeah, true. But we can also pull those clips to compare it to now, right? So like you could create a type of video content that was, this is this scene four months ago, five months ago, and then be able to flip back and forth between the two would be a really cool piece of content, right? Yeah, you could still use it. Well, here's an idea. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think as a business owner or creative or influencer or someone who has a brand, like consider filming the moments that you feel are maybe not interesting to you or they feel mundane because there's probably a use case for them. So if we're going back to our list, podcast content, definitely our favorite type of content, the most rich, the most information, the most easy to match with other things, the most easy to repurpose. Then after that clips from the actual client, after that photography, I would say is the next best visual. What do we think? Yeah. But between photography and... Are you going to say stock? No. So you said like the client filming. Uh Uh-huh. I also like when they film the client, like the person. Oh, yes. Video of the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because now that we're doing the trailers for the other podcasts, I love sourcing those where I could see... The person talking. Exactly. Or like little clips of the person like doing things. So that's someone filming you, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think that even goes above the clips that they've taken. Because you need those clips. Again, it's something that you can't source somewhere else, Right. So we throw stock in there because having stock video sometimes just helps to fill in the gaps and like pad what you otherwise couldn't capture. 
But I think about that with social media feeds a lot too, right? Like in 2017, 18, 19, you could run an entire business on stock photography only. You never needed brand photos. And then everybody got like brand photo happy and brand photos are still totally worth it. But you know, it's the best spend of your money is paying for a brand video. <laughs> like, I think that the clips that we were able to get out of the retreat, like I can use those for infinity. But also like when you're paying for video, you're going to get photos. Like even if you want it or not, because you're going to be there with your phone taking photos or you can ask someone to take photos of you. So yeah. And I think that's now, but that's the future. Like right now we're still using both, but video it's coming stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Totally. I'm surprised that people still even do photo shoots without video. Like imagine all these photos from Rock Hill Cheese. We also had a video for every single scene, even if it were just someone like placing the cheese knife onto the cheese board, but it was a video. That was so useful for me. <laughs> right? So I think, again, the tip here is like, consider anything that could be a photograph could also be a video. And like, now you say this, when I'm trying to source stock video, images that I found they're gorgeous and then they're like I wish there was a video of this exact picture but on video and there are not so I think there's a big opportunity there for a future like someone that wants to go into videography start doing the stock videos that are not out there and upload them I'll use them or making stock photos that are specific to things that are trends you know what I mean like having I think that like a lot of AI is going to play a role in this. Like I think watching just all the coverage of this submarine, the submersible that went missing with people making their like green screen videos. Like imagine you had actual stock video or of a background of a submarine. Like I think there's just things like that where you could capitalize on creating new content based on what's trending in pop culture. But I think the style of stock video content has changed a lot too, right? Like it used to just be like handshakes and writing paper and da 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 da. And I think one of the things I've pushed our team to do is really consider the visual style and like the color editing and the fonts and the styling of the video as a way to continue that with your brand. And I even put that on in the last podcast is like the things that you should consider as a brand is like, what does your brand look like on video? But also what does it sound like? Like, what are the sound effects? Because I think sound effect is also another great way to elevate and emphasize what you're saying on video. What do you think about using sound effects? Have you dabbled with that so much? Still, it's starting to, it's still hard for me because it's very easy to miss the mark there, mm -hmm. but I'm trying. I know it makes it so much more fun and engaging. It gives this little extra, but same as stock video. There's not enough. I'm sure you can find them like YouTube or something, but there's not like enough free stock audio. There's so many in CapCut. Are there? There's so many in CapCut. No. Yes. We're going to have to get together and go through it. I will show you. Because like, they're okay. I feel like they could be better. Yeah, but you have to be really specific about what you're looking for, right? So I think each brand has its own sound. I like things that are a little bit more punchy and funny and kind of like catch you by surprise. So I'm always looking for kind of like the cha-ching sounds or the sparkly sounds or the chime sounds or the whoosh sounds. Like those very much fit, I feel like, the kind of branding that we're doing. But I would love to see us make more content for Hemsley Ranch using like barn sounds, like horses galloping. And even if it's just still photos, but to have a soundscape that sounds like what you're looking at, I think would elevate that content so much. And those are in CapCut. 
they're in the ambient ambient sound folder. You got to keep scrolling. Okay. Let's just get together to do that once. <laughs> but there's so many ways. We also have an Artlist IO subscription now. So we have access to way more audio content. Also, right before this call, I got on the mid journey train. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about mid journey. It's like an AI image generation tool. And I think we're going to be using a lot of that because imagine we could create images of what it will look like to be eating a burger at Polar Bear and we could set it to the background sound of like burgers on the grill, which we have. We have a video clip of burgers on the grill, right? We do. It's just such a great visualization tool and it's such a fun way to like elevate stuff. So what I was working on today, which I'll show you after this, Josephina, is I had mid-journey generate an image as if the beaches in San Diego were flooded with tennis balls. No way. As like a promo. So much fun. Right? So like as if there's just tennis balls everywhere, right? So imagine putting those, they're just photos for now, but in the future, they're going to be videos. That's where AI is going. Imagine putting those photos as a collection and the sound in the background is like waves crashing on the beach. But listen, like you did that on Mid Journey and that's something that you can totally have done in Photoshop, but how much time would you have spent doing that? And you just did it and it's great. Oh my gosh. And it's so fast and it's incredible. And I think AI is going to come help with video editing as well, right? Totally. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Because imagine we could take a client, like let's say their video got compromised from their podcast. What if we could take a headshot of them and put their podcast audio on it and it would like move their mouth as if they were talking? Yeah. And that's going to happen. And I don't think that's going to take our jobs away. No. Because someone needs to use the AA. Like someone needs to know how to use it. And that's still going to be us. We're always like learning and improving. You would have been so mad. I was on TikTok Live this morning and I was working in Canva and somebody came on and said, you can't call yourself a designer if you're going to work in Canva. Ha! I said, knock yourself out, but I'm going to laugh all the way to the bank on this one. This is a $30,000 project that I'm doing in Canva. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? Like, are you serious? I was like, I'm using this tool because it benefits my client. What do I care Totally. And so it was crazy because people, someone else wrote, this is so sad to watch. As in like watching someone design on Canva was so sad because you're not a real designer. And I was like, excuse. So I can't believe after all, the, I don't know how my TikTok algorithm like put me in front of a bunch of people that didn't realize that <laughs> I'm like the biggest Canva fan on planet earth. But were you using Canva a lot before you started working with us or not so much? No, only a little bit. Like I didn't even have a pro account. And I'm going to be honest, I was like this people, like I was born and raised with Adobe. Like I was married to Adobe. But then I started learning and learning more and more. Even I think like my biggest hit was when I did the video to get hired by you. <laughs> That's when I used Canva like for video for the first time. And I'm like, ooh, we're into something here. And I kept learning. And like you always say, like the tool does not make the designer. Yep. You know, and like we are designing in CapCut, same thing that my 13 year old nieces are using, but that makes me a designer, but it does not make them a designer because they didn't go to for school. Like they're just doing it for fun and intuitive, but they don't have the same eyes as I do. But also if you're intuitive about it, you'll start to realize that a lot of these tools function similarly, right? Like once you get your way around CapCut, you'll start to be faster and faster at it. And once you find your way around Canva, you'll start to get faster and faster at it. To the point where my mom was making her own videos on Canva of a video mood board for a client project. 
And I was explaining to her, I said, you know, you want to keep the clips about this long and da da da, and like look for textures and make sure that your color palette is on point because if you have too many different colors, it's going to be really chaotic to watch. And was kind of like coaching her through it. But there's just a huge library of stuff to work with. Yeah. Same thing. My husband uses Canva eventually. Like sometimes he does use it and he's like, how do I do this? Like, how do I move the letters? So there's your answers. It's for everybody, but it's not for everybody. So it depends what kind of use you want to, you know, work smarter, not harder. I mean, you're the queen of that with a young baby at home. I know you wanted to talk about work from home stuff. Explain what it's like being a remote video editor and like mom of a newborn. Well, you one year old now, not a newborn anymore. It still feels like a newborn. So A, it's very challenging. I'm not going to lie. When he was very little, it was very easy because he slept a lot or he just was on the floor playing next to me. But now as he's growing, he's needier. He's going to daycare now, and I'm very happy with the decision, so I work when he's not home. When he's home, I close my computer, I turn off my phone, and I'm 100% for him. So I think it's great because I make the most of my time when I'm working, and I make the most of my time when I'm with him. But this is for all the working mamas out there. You can do it. We can do it. It's not hard. You just got to get organized. When he was not in daycare yet, I was working nights. So he would go to bed. I would grab my computer, work at night, or even between naps. So like, if you want, you can do it. But you got a lot more to do. We got into a good rhythm too, because unlike some of the other members on the team, your deliverables are monthly instead of weekly. And I think that really helps you because I've noticed sometimes you just get into a groove and you just knock videos out. And you're like, I'm on top of it today. These came together so fast. I had everything I needed. And I would imagine that like having a work schedule that's a little less consistent, that that helps a lot. That helps a lot. Like being so flexible, it's the way to go. If in my case, as a mom, if I have everything there and I'm like, okay, Monday, 7.30 a.m., he's out of the door. I'll just sit here until noon that I have to go pick him up and I'm going to knock all these videos out. And there are even nights when I'm working and you're responding like to my things and I am fixing it in that minute. Because if I don't do it in that minute, I'm not going to do it later. Mm -hmm. So I have to be very thoughtful when I'm working. And I think this also pushed me to be faster and more efficient. And also what learning, I already know like what changes you're going to want. I already know like the things I should do, the things I shouldn't do. So as we work more and more, or whenever a new brand comes, for example, a new client, yeah, there's going to be a learning curve at the beginning, but after a month, like, okay, they're done. Like, and usually all the videos get approved instantly because I already know what you want. I already know what you expect. I know what the client expects and I know what I'm doing. So it works out. Right. And I think that the more videos we make, the more, like you said, you know what I'm looking for. So when I say like, oh, let's make a collage video with these photos that just came in from the photographer, like, you know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, let's make a summary. And I'll just give you examples of your old work. Be like, remember this one that you did? Do it again. (laughs) Or then sometimes you're just going to like throw pictures in there and like not even a word, not even a tag, nothing. And I'm like, does this work? And it works because I already know, you know? And I love that. I think I really like that. I love that I were independent, kind of, let's say. Like we work independently, but together perfectly. And that's a super plus because... I know what you want and you know what I need. So let's just do it. Yep. Amazing. 
Well, is there anything else that you want any video clients of ours to know or things that they should know about you or about video in general before we sign off? I would love to give out some tips, like when you're recording a podcast, for example. Yes. Okay. For me or for anyone? (laughs) No, for anyone. Okay. You're the queen of this, so don't worry. (laughs) Because I'm the one that edits them. I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? So like things like don't move around too much, like moving out side to side and try not to like accommodate a lot because it's very hard for me (laughs) when I'm editing and I want to put captions or things. This is where the tracking tool that I learned from you comes in. It's still not perfect. So let's just stay still when we're talking. Make sure like there's no interference, like touching, like you're touching yourself a lot or like moving your cables or like fixing your hair all the time. Just try to relax, be still, drink water. Mm-hmm. What else? Well, this is a hard one. Try not to use a lot of filler words, which I'm sure I did, but it's fine. But not do not use filler words. That's hard. You need practice. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of practice, but try not to use those. Like be conscious about them. I think that helps. Those are great tips. So that's very podcast specific. What about video in general, video from other clients? What do you wish when you open up video clips from clients? You're like, man, I wish they would have just what? I wish they were longer. Longer. Agree. And sometimes it's better if it's longer and I can just crop it. And if it's not perfect, that's fine. But film the object longer. How long is longer? At least five seconds, I would say. Oh, I was going to say 15. Each part, I was going to say. Ah. You know, like you're filming, you're moving, stay, film, stay, or like just go slow. But yeah, 15 is good too. But I would say like five seconds each angle mm-hmm. yeah angle but yeah longer and still i know it's hard not everyone has a tripod just try to breathe be still oh macros mm-hmm. i think that's another good one like you're always filming like from very afar and you can film from far but then get close to the object or whatever you're showing us and make a macro of it i love a 3x zoom on video yeah It looks so good. It's so like, mm, it just like condenses the frame in a way that's really visually pleasing, especially if it's like water or food or clothing or just like little details like that. Because if I'm going to take a video of this soda can, I don't need the whole can in the video just for you to know that it's a soda can. Like you can just zoom in to the top portion or the side or just the shape of it in general. And you're going to know that it's a soda can. So I think people getting creative with their angles and taking their time really helps. I think that's one thing we're missing a lot. Zoom. I agree. You know, like, I don't know, like a burger. I want to see that meat, clothes, that bread, the tomato. I don't know. (laughs) I want to see clothes. Yeah, because also when you're zoomed in close, you can imagine what it's like to be taking that video clip yourself versus when it's a big wide angle in a place that you've never been in a room you've never been with a bunch of people you don't know. It's harder for the person watching the clip to feel like they were there. And if the whole point of these screens is to like really bring people closer to your brand, then give them the opportunity to feel like that they were there. But then if I can always like, you know, from the video that you sent me, I can zoom it in, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. So like maybe people are going to say, just zoom it in from a video that you have. No, it's not the same. It's going to be pixelated. It's not going to be the same quality. Like, no. So I think that can elevate brand experience a lot. Absolutely. Well, these were fabulous tips. This was super fun. If everyone wants to follow 
and see everything that you're working on and see your work, let us know where we can find you online. Well, I'm mostly on Instagram, josefina.videos, or you can find me on TikTok. I can't wait for you to post every video you've ever made on your TikTok because I think you should. Should I do that? Yeah. Grab all the videos I did for the other clients and just repost them? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just flood your whole page with videos. I'll do it. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I'll just share them on stories. But no, they should be there. Even better, start it with a little clip of you, maybe even voiceover or time lapse or something. Where like, I'm going to show you all the videos I made in one week. And then ba, 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 and you just share all the videos you made in a month, for example, for a brand. And that's something you do really well, like showing your work while you're at it. You got to show. You got to show your work while you do it. Absolutely. I'm trying to get better at that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Of course. So good. Yes. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Oh my gosh. Likewise. So yeah, everybody follow Josefina, josefina.videos. If you're working with us for social media management, Josefina is on your team by default, making a video. And we look forward to working with your brands. If you're listening, feel free to reach out. So we will catch you next time. I think that's pretty much it. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.